da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Ryan Gill, what is the movie of the week this week? This week's movie of the week is Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Before we even start this thing, gotta get this out of the way. Horrible title. Have to yes. say that. It has to be. <laughs> Awful title. So was, yeah. so was Ghost Protocol. Every, everything is nation now, though. That's what, I, that's what bugs me about it. Yeah. There's Cowboys everything. Nation. Sports Nation. Yeah. Raider nation. nation, everything has to be a nation. Live Nation, yeah. Aryan Nation, which I know you guys know. <laughs> you know a lot about that, uh, Richard. <laughs> no, you do. I'm no, no I know about the... it from the uh, Seinfeld episode where George. I... They think George is the head of the Aryan Nation and the limousine. But yeah, no, that's a great Seinfeld. I just watched that one a couple weeks ago. Greatness. My, jer- my journey's coming along well, Ken. Good. What season are you on? I'm still. I'm at the end of season four. I had to take a break when I was in Montana. Yeah, so I I've, I've like restarted before. my binge as well. I I've started on season one before I left, and I've okay tried to get through it. So at some point in the uh, September, uh, mid September ish, uh, you know, early October ish, uh, slums of the movie season, we'll try and knock out a Rance and Rave Seinfeld episode. That'd be a we'll get be a good you time. know what we'll do is we'll get instead of Brian because I know he's not a fan, we'll get uh, producer Steven in on that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Good. Y'all did okay. y'all's Mad Men episode. That was Brian and Richard's little thing. Yeah, I think this can be me and Richard's uh, yeah. little funness. And like the Star Wars yeah. was your two little thing. Yeah, exactly. And, How dare you call then, it little? How dare you? And, the, <laughs> and then Jason and I are gonna and like a spectacular now was a Richard and Brian's uh, little thing. <laughs> and the cup. <laughs> and excited the cup. to see where the cup fits into uh, James Ponsold's The End of the Tour. Going to see that this weekend, so uh, excited to see if the cup. I thought the cup you know. would have surely made its uh, followed Miles Teller to the Fantastic Four set, so we'll have to. No, the cup stayed with the director, and oh, okay. it's since the end of the tour takes place in the mid nineties, he's actually a uh, a uh, a jazz solo cup. Yeah, with the exactly. blue with the yeah. blue paint stripe across the side. <laughs> Remember those? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he is. So he's gone method. Uh, yes. <laughs> He's the Daniel Day Lewis. You know, I'm kitchen. mad because I think the cup is our one of our best running bits, and we don't get any emails on it. Get a lot of emails on now you see me, a lot of yeah. tweets on now you see me and draft day. Nothing on the cup. I don't because no one saw the spectacular now except for us. <laughs> That's why. That is true. Watch the spectacular now and notice the cup's performance, and then you'll appreciate it. Kent, how is uh how's La La Land? You're out where all the movies are made, kind of. Well, it's actually uh, it's pretty good. It's my annual Oxnard month uh, out here working <laughs> yeah. and 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 grinding away. It's uh, the the beauty of technology amazes me. Here we are doing our podcast as normal in totally separate parts of the country, and uh, the listener wouldn't even have known unless we had pointed that out. But uh, so no, it's good. I, I and, apologize uh, for pointing yeah. that out. Kent, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Kent is in Oxnard, California, for the uh, Cowboys training camp, and I am I'm here in Dallas, Texas, the usual home of the Mad About Movies podcast. And Brian is where are you? You're covering the Iowa caucuses coming up, or yep. you know me, okay. so political, just out <laughs> just, there on the beat, just riding that bus every day and that's talking you. up my man Trump. <laughs> 
I don't. Yeah. <laughs> have we had cool. the Donald Trump discussion on the show? Did we have this last week? I can't believe we haven't talked about the fact that Trump is running for president. I know and this winning. is politics, but and winning, right? Yeah, he's doing well too. That's what's amazing. It's awesome. Speaking it's of Trump, thing. speaking of Trump, thing. we uh, we have a lot to get to tonight. And our third segment, of course, will be weekly recommends. <laughs> we will talk about uh, Mission Impossible, but in our first segment, right after we have our hilarious banter, uh, right now we're going to talk about American Treasures. Just That's what's on the run show. sheet, by the it's way, on the for the listener. Sheet. It just says hilarious banter. We're a bit faster. <laughs> but yeah, we haven't had that talk. Richard, I want to you're the political guru of the show. Give us a, uh, a minute and a half of political talk, Trump. So tell, tell us your your thought on that you shared with us today of what's going to happen. Uh, oh, yeah, this is Trump. good. That's, that's my favorite. Point. So Trump is pulling ahead. He's up like 10 points in the polls. And it's it's a reflection on us as a society where we're so tired on both sides of the aisle. I'm not going to like, you know, go like diversely political here or, or pick a side here, but just from a purely I watch politics like I watch sports. So just purely as a spectator, you know, Trump is pulling ahead just because he's saying something, because as a society, uh, we're just tired of kind of doublespeak and, and politicians talking for a long time and not saying anything. Uh, so Trump is, you know, 10 points ahead in the Republican primaries right now in the polls for uh, for just saying stuff. It's terrible stuff. Um, it's stuff that no one lands <laughs> behind. But like it seems like the public is saying, eh, at least he's saying something and not just nothing. I, so the. The yeah. best part of that is that someone else is going to one of these fringe candidates is going to try like, hey, it's working for him. They're going to try to mimic it and they're going to say something so catastrophically <laughs> offensive. I cannot wait. It's going to be so awesome. Uh, it it's is. Time bomb. It's any day now. They're going to be like, well, it's working for him. I need to make a statement out yeah, here. And yeah. They're going to send some huge group of people. Yeah. So. We're, I'm putting yeah. in the call right now. I don't know who it's going to be. I wish you could gamble on this. This is the kind of stuff you should be able to gamble on. Really. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be fantastic. So those are my. that's yeah. my Trump vote. We threw out some ideas via text today of, of of which of the candidates would say what. Of course, none of that can be shared on the air, unfortunately. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but it's yeah. going to be great. When it happens, it's going to be pretty great. It's, yeah. You're trending at, in 12th place right now, so-and-so. You know, maybe if you said something <laughs> yeah. controversial. I'm a, all for like, it's such a glorious train wreck. You just can't look away when Donald Trump. I've watched probably two hours of pre-election Trump interviews, like Anderson Cooper did an hour-long special, and yeah. he's done a couple other things. And, man, I just think it's going to be real interesting to see what ha- happens. First of all, it's crazy that he even decided to run as a Republican, let alone, <laughs> because he doesn't seem conservative at all in any of his stances. And maybe he just thinks he can win as a Republican, so he declared as a Republican. But not only that, but he's just – I think he's just going to own everyone in the debates. Just own everyone, and everyone's going to be like, well, I guess he's the best person we have. On Repo-. And then, like, it's going to come down to him and who knows, Hillary. Yeah, and that kind of and everyone's going to be like, do we really yeah. want Hillary in the office again? I mean, it's going to then- be <laughs> awesome because he's going to just say horrible stuff. I want Trump – I don't know. Trump versus Biden would be great just because they should do every debate inside of a barber shop. But Trump versus Hillary would be great just because of the offensive stuff that you might say. That will be truly, truly horrible and hilarious. Not that I support any of it. 
I mean, uh, Hillary I may not agree with her on certain issues, and I may probably agree with her on some, but like, uh, I mean, I don't think she's like the devil or anything. But just because she is female, Trump is going to like go into full bully mode. And as an anarchist, I think it's hilarious, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> it's going to be great. I don't think he's going to make it that far, though. It's a ticking time. I don't either. I just want him to make yeah. it to January so that there's some sort of ballot with his name on it. But I yeah. would bet heavily under that because he's starting to get pretty cocky because like at first he was just saying stuff and it was just bouncing off deaf ears and now he's like getting results and he's just going to get beer muscles and it's here we go it's awesome so that's it we shouldn't talk about this more though because this isn't a political podcast but i think it's funny yeah. and i think yeah it's in the save it for mad he's about a, politics he's a celebrity we yeah. would not be talking about yeah. this if it, he if he wasn't uh you know in the he's public in home, he's in home alone too right sure <laughs> he is that is true so there's that a little bit of trivia there for you um, the worst yeah, part so is that. for me, if he gets elected president, I have to binge watch all of The Apprentice, the entire thing, to get caught up on his work. So. <laughs> the completest. <laughs> Brian Gill. Yeah. yeah. Just you just finished Dreams of My Fathers by Obama, right? You just finished it? <laughs> it's actually funny, Brian, because when you weren't here a couple weeks ago, Richard and I actually did two hours on Omarosa. And it was actually <laughs> one of our one of our better episodes, I nice feel like. Pull. Nice pull, Kent. That's that awesome, was man. strong. Yeah, I did. Yeah, we did Omarosa. Yeah, and then a lot of Penn Jillette's Celebrity Apprentice talk. <laughs> um, it's a weird podcast. We didn't. We the listeners should know we do. Kent, what do you think? Thirteen, fourteen podcasts a week, and we just put yeah. one up. Yeah. <laughs> the rest are all trial runs that we just that go right in the archive. Uh, man, it's it's good to talk to you, fellas. It's been it feels like it's been longer than it has. Uh, I know. I know, Kent. I miss you. You're not texting as much. I, you know? I man, I hear. It's... I feel my phone go off my pocket, and I'm just like doing other things and shooting video and doing a pun- bunch of stuff. And then I'll catch up at the end of the day. And by the time I catch up, I it's like 2 a.m. in Texas, and I don't want to like blow up y'all's phones in the middle of the night. You so. and I had a good late night. We you and I had a good late night textathon the other night. Like you did. 4 text- it was four a.m. Dallas time, and you were texting me. I was like, "How are you awake right now?" <laughs> it was I don't know weird. what it was about. I went to bed at like eleven and just woke up at two, ready for my day because I'm old now. <laughs> and, uh, and so I just laid there and texted with read Kent the newspaper, for a long time. had my breakfast. I did. I re- I really texting. did. That's not <laughs> that's not incorrect. But we you and I had a good chat the other night at like three a.m. It was good. It's good to talk to you, fellas. It's good to be back how on was, the show. How was the Pony Remix? It's my question. Pony Remix was great. Yeah, I, I had to text Richard. I was at a bar late, and uh, they played Pony. So I know that's Richard's jam. So <laughs> Could, couldn't pass that up. I, I have not been in touch with the movie news landscape over the past few days, weeks. Is there anything that pops out at you guys that we have to talk about this week? Not really. I mean, I think that Deadpool trailer, which just premiered, yeah. uh, we're recording this Tuesday night, uh, is getting a lot of buzz. And then the trailer for the trailer for, in the kind of comic uh, world. Um, but it's been, you know, with 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 an early Comic Con this year, uh, the the August has kind of been a a dead zone so far. Brian, you have anything? No, there's nothing. Like I'm looking back okay. through our Twitter feed just to see if. Uh, anything pops up i'm just not there's just not much uh to talk about on that front right now i don't think well that's okay because we have plenty of time then to talk american treasures Mm. 
So it is the first episode of the month, and every first episode of the month, we debate and talk and discuss our American Treasure Hall of Fame. This has become a little more competitive and popular than we had anticipated. Listeners have taken it quite seriously and have submitted their nominees for the American Treasure Hall of Fame, which you can find on our website. And this is really just a fun little Hall of Fame that we sort of started in jest on our radio show, and we sort of started calling celebrities American Treasures. And then we sort of started to think, well, what qualifies somebody as an American Treasure? And it got to the point where we just had to put these people's pick. We had to start keeping track of who we started calling American Treasures. And uh, like I said, you can find the whole list there on the website. And, you know, these people span everything from film to TV to politics to sports and just anyone who has had a big impact on American pop culture. And the requirements are you have to be either 50 years old or have been in your relative business for 25 years and you have to be an American citizen. And so with that and being said – you have said, to have a sense of humor about yourself. And of course, very, yes. Very yes, Brian, Of course, the most important, sense of humor about oneself, which means you don't take yourself too seriously. And uh, that being said, I guess we can start with Richard Barton this week. Richard. Oh, wow. You went right to me. Okay, I'm ready. I'm prepared, I think. I, <laughs> I have a history of suggesting people and then not crossing them off my list and then forgetting because, you know, I'm an idiot. And then re-suggesting them. I am going to go with this one's a little off the radar and it's someone that I've always loved as a character actor. This is going to be one of our least famous American treasures, but I do think he embodies everything that is American treasure. This is someone that has extensive uh, film work as a, a very serious actor, but then a lot of television work as a comedic guest star. Okay. And this is someone who's worked with the likes of Paul Thomas Anderson hmm. and the likes of Larry David. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to suggest to you American treasure, Philip Baker Hall. Ooh. Wow, dude. That's a great pull. Okay, Richard, make your case. Philip Baker Hall is incredible in literally everything he's ever done. He has one of the greatest voices of all time. Uh, he's he's you know his his role in Boogie Nights is is iconic. His role in freaking Seinfeld as the librarian cop is iconic. Yeah, um, he's he's wonderful and hard boiled and scary and funny all in one. And uh, I I if I see him in anything, even if it's something terrible, I'm excited. He's just kind of the ultimate older that guy. And I think. We need to start throwing them out. We've got a lot of big A-list American treasures. This is kind of a smaller, more working-class American treasure, but Phil Baker Hall is awesome. So American treasure, Phil Baker Hall. Okay, Brian. Yeah or nay? Dude, I love that. That's awesome. Phil Baker Hall is – I think you're exactly right. Like he is – for before I, before I really cared about – every aspect of film like we do now to where I was like breaking it down critically and really paying attention to every actor or every writer or director, every person who was a part of the filmmaking process. You know, when you're just one of those people that's like, Hey, Tom Cruise is in this awesome. And that's all I really cared about. Philip Baker Hall was, was one of those guys that kind of um, broke through that for me was just like, dude, that guy's awesome. And every time I, every time he popped up, I was 
you know, that, that character actor bit before IMDb where you're just reminded of like, oh man, that guy's really good in this. What else was he in? You know, um, he is, he is a commanding presence. He's so good in a small role. I just saw him playing basically Bill Cosby on BoJack Horseman, which is really funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm with you. That's a great pull and one that would not, I don't think I would have ever thought to put him on my list. Great, great pull. That's, that's awesome. Definitely has my vote. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with Brian and Richard here. What a, what a funny guy. Every time you see him show up, puts a smile on my face, you know, something gold is going to be said or done on screen. And man, this guy's been around for forever. Uh, yeah. you, you have to admire the tenure on on him, and he's stayed relevant too. It's not like he just uh, you know had a had a decent run uh, in his day and just kind of said, "Well, you know, I've done some great stuff. It's time to sort of chill out." You know, he stayed like you mentioned, Brian Bojack Horseman as a Netflix series. You know, it's like right. a, a real random. He did that Bad Words movie with Jason Bateman the other year. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, just kind of random that. stuff that. No one, you know, kind of hipster stuff almost to say. And Fifty Fifty, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen's yeah. movie. He's in that too as well. So definitely good choices uh, by him in his later days, and mm-hmm. uh, just a a really fun fun presence on screen. And man, can I give one more uh, argument for my case? Sure. Let me tell you something, funny boy. You know that little stamp, the one that says New York Public Library. Well, that may not mean anything to you, but that means a lot to me. One whole hell of a lot. Sure, go ahead. Laugh if you want to. I've seen your type before. Flashy, making the scene, flaunting convention. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Who's this guy making such a big stink about old library books? Let me give you a hint, Junior. Maybe we can live without libraries, people like you and me. Maybe. Sure, we're too old to change the world. What about that kid sitting down, opening a book right now in the branch of a local library and finding pictures of pee-pees and wee-wees and the cat in the hat and the five Chinese brothers? Doesn't he deserve better? Look, if you think this is about an overdue fines and missing books, you'd better think again. This is about that kid's right to read a book without getting his mind warped. Or maybe that turns you on, Seinfeld. Maybe that's how you get your kicks. You and your good time buddies. I've got a flash for you, Joy Boy. Party time is over. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> awesome. That's that's an American treasure. What, yeah. what is that? What movie is that from? Is that that's from a, Office? I'm yeah. sending you that. Ryan, that's one of the funniest scenes. <laughs> I'm Jerry kidding. I know. I know the bit. I know. Okay. He has an old overdue library book, and there's a super hard. If you've never seen it, great Seinfeld. Even not a Seinfeld fan. Yeah. They sent Phil Baker Hall plays this super like hard boiled Philip Marlowe Marlowe type Raymond Chandler detective that works for the New York <laughs> Public Library and <laughs> that tries to get their books back that are overdue, and it's one of the greatest bits of all time. <laughs> And he's always he's Larry's doctor on Curb too. Yeah, Kent. Yep. God, I love Curb. We need to do a Curb episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gets my vote. American Treasure, Phil Baker Hall. Welcome. Okay, cool. Yeah. I thought I was worried about that one because I didn't know if he was big no, enough. Name, awesome. But, okay. Unanimous. Awesome. Stuff. I kind of like the under the radar guys too. We don't always yeah. have to be the the A listers, but man. And man. the PTA work incredible too. He's done some really good dramatic. Uh, Heart yeah. Eight and. Uh, and Boogie Nights are, are fantastic roles from him. Your vest is on the way, Mr. Hall. Oh, he'll look great in it. He will look fantastic in the vest. So I'm going to bring someone to the table. It's sort of in the same vein, Richard. Hmm. Uh, he has been around for decades, 
in the world of uh, small screen comedy and some big screen comedy. He has literally birthed a generation of comedy. And uh, we, are, we have been fans of his work, um, not only on the podcast, but in our personal lives. I know we've, we've talked about some, some funny moments of his in the past. He's actually a Seinfeld alum, too. Richard. Uh, you did so American Treasure, res- Mark Maron. Yes, yeah, I got you. actually. <laughs> <laughs> actually, Courtney Cox Arquette, but very close. <laughs> no. Um, it's actually, I'm going to bring to the table this evening, American Treasure, Jerry Stiller. Oh. Oh. This has potential. Now, neither of them are in yet. But I would say Jerry and Ben have potential to be our first father-son ATs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I felt it was only necessary to induct Jerry first. Just wouldn't feel now, right. He definitely gets a demerit for King of Queens. Yeah, that doesn't. I, I, I t- we talked about this a couple of weeks day, ago. You got to keep getting them checks. You we talked get about checks. this. We Richard and I did. I think we when we when we talked about pixels that King of Queens should have always just been Patton Oswalt and Jerry Stiller. Like, yeah. Kevin James and Lee Remini just never should have been on screen. Uh, probably the You're best right. best supporting cast that wasn't... Like, I tuned in to see the supporting cast and not Kevin James. You're right. But he's it great. wasn't anything due to him, but, you know, a Kevin James Association is still a Kevin James Association. His, but it's not. it doesn't kill yeah. his case. I'm still leaning towards yes. So, uh, one of the great comedy teams is Stiller and Mara. Uh, rest in peace recently in Mara as well. Mm-hmm. Or Mira, I don't even know how to pronounce that. But uh, great, great, great comedic act. Great, great, great times. Great, great. Um, more Tony Bennett for some reason tonight. Um, <laughs> it's a great, great, great song. Um, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah I just I'm have to stop vote. you guys. I just, I just have to stop you for a second because I just went on IMDb. And I saw the background of Meryl Streep, Ricky, and The Flash. And this just looks so <laughs> stupid and ridiculous. And why oh. would anyone ever... Oh, man. She's in, like, a Skrillex screen, haircut. Right? What is she... Yeah. What is she doing? Oh. Getting them checked. I, I'm just... It's a Diablo seven, Cody 71, original. 71% on Rotten Tomatoes oh, right now. Oh, gee. People like it okay, yeah. Because it's Meryl right. Streep. What do they not like that yeah, she's... I agree. It... She could be, yeah. There's no move. She could be the star of Jupiter Ascending, and it would have been fresh. So. Exactly. <laughs> There's poops of hers that are 81. <laughs> so yeah, Jerry, uh, Jerry Stiller, like uh, Mamma Mia, huh? He that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> memorable. Good humor, Stellan, guys. Stellan Sarsgaard was incredible in that. Um, <laughs> memorable, yeah, I'm a, memorable yes, roles. I'm vote, yes. Yeah, memorable roles from Jerry Stiller in Zoolander, of course. And uh, Seinfeld as Frank Costanza. And of that generation, we have to give credit. It's not always, I mean, he's certainly in enough films, but that, you know, show business was so different in his generation. And really, really uh, one of the legendary nightclub acts, him and his wife. Yeah. And uh, I love that kind of era of, of show business. Like the nightclub show business is probably my favorite kind. I wish it still existed uh, to this day in in the capacity that it once did. So. Uh, I'm going to vote yes. I, I love Jerry Stiller. He's he's another one, like you said, Kent, kind of in the vein of Philip Baker Hall, probably a little more famous now because of his son's fame, but uh, one of those guys that when you see him, he just makes you happy, which to me, we talk about all the other qualifications of American Treasure. That is my number one qualification. If I see your face in my 
am I filled with joy? And uh, Jerry Stiller fits that. Fits the bill. Brian, what do you think? I'm in. Totally. Yep. Unanimous as well. Great. Your vest is in the mail, Jerry. Brian, who's your nominee? I had somebody else in mind, but you guys, I'm, I'm going to try and keep theme here. And okay. I, I'll be honest. Um, this person, when I made this list. Is it Amoroso? Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. You guys ruined my thunder. <laughs> um, I, when I made my my list of, of potential American treasures like two years ago that's still on my phone, this is the first name that I put down, and and I've I've come back and forth on it. Like I've thought about bringing him up a few times. Here's my here's my struggle. I don't have a great case to make for this person, so I'm just I'm just gonna have to trust that one or both of you, in the spirit of like what Richard just said, of if you see his face, do you get excited? Do you are you happy to see him on screen? I think he counts. Yeah. I also think that he he fits in well with uh, with Mr. Stiller and uh, Mr. Philip Baker Hall as well. He also was on Seinfeld for a run, a small run, uh, early early on. I'm just going to bring it up, and if, and if you guys shoot him down, then then so be it. My perfect record will go down. But uh, American Treasure Bob Balaban. Mm. Oh, I love Bob Balaban. All right, there we go. That's right, that's the number one. It's yeah, hard. that it is. Look, it, like I said, it's tough to make a case for him because he he yeah. doesn't do the talk show talk show circuit, so we you don't get to see that sort of uh, outrageous sense of humor about oneself that we that we do with with a lot of our other nominees. Um, but I do think his his choice and roles kind of show show his sense of humor, and he is so stinking good in the smallest tiny roles. In uh, in all of Wes Anderson's movies, and that definitely helps. But he's got a long list of, of credits as well, and and just a lot of Christopher. I don't know. Guest every work. time he pops up, I always yeah, Christopher Guest stuff. He is, I think he he brings. It's very it's very odd what he does, and that makes him very. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily unique, but like you know who Bob Balaban is, and whether you know the name or not, if if you went and looked him up on IMDb, I think most, pretty much all of our listeners would be like, right, the guy from this, and it would be a different movie for a hundred, you know, for fifty different people, you know, and I think that's yeah. kind of a he blends into so many different movies, and he works with so many funny people that you you have to believe that he is. Uh, he he has that great sense of humor about himself that we like to look for with this. And also, uh, this I always like if someone has kind of a secondary uh, career, an mm-hmm. accomplished playwright as well, and yeah. writer, yeah, and uh, kind of public intellectual. You know, we like that from like the uh, the Steve Martins and people like that that have been uh, ats in the past. So that that's very cool. Wallace Shawn type, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean Wallace yeah, Shawn should hang out more they don't already absolutely but uh the christopher guest stuff it's for me is what pushes me over the edge because i feel like in order to do those movies you have to with the the improvisational requirements you have to have a certain sense of yourself and uh i i I think that he does so i'm gonna vote brian believe it or not i'm gonna vote yes all right i love his work with wes anderson moonrise kingdom as the narrator was awesome He brought such he brought part, such yeah. joy to that and such I don't know st- like sto- fairy taleness storybook to sure. it. Uh, just the way Wes works with him is awesome. Also in Grand Budapest, of course. But he was uh, I'm 
know him most for close encounters, probably. I know he's Russell yeah. Dalrymple. Oh, very cool. Good he, call. He Didn't is, think about uh, that. Yeah, he he's sort of the the French scientists like uh, translator guy in uh, in Close Encounters. So he he really uh, you know has done everything from the biggest blockbusters to the most popular television shows to the most indie of movies, which is Wes Anderson. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's been awesome to to see his career. And man, that arc on Seinfeld where he's the president of NBC and they're trying to get their <laughs> own show is just the the <laughs> pinnacle of comedy on TV. It it really is and he he plays that perfect and is a perfect accent to George and Jerry when they're trying to get their pilot uh greenlit and all that. It's 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 gold and he's also like creepily he's like creepily in love with Elaine the whole time and that's funny. <laughs> And uh, and man, what an awesome guy, Bob Balaban. Sweet, American. I, I was I was a little nervous about that yeah. one. I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm glad that uh, you guys see the virtue as well. Awesome. So that's very interesting uh, apartment we've put together there. That's a lot. Yeah, of that's fun. a that's going to be an interesting draft class for sure. <laughs> yes. Okay, a guys. lot of quality role players in that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No superstar, <laughs> but a lot of guys that kind of know the role yeah. and play good defense. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. <laughs> Let's uh, move on. Let's talk to the show. Okay, Brian, I think we should start with you because I know you have had, like the completest you are, you have revisited huh? the previous Mission Impossible films. I'll be honest, I... Haven't I, I watched Ghost Protocol a couple times uh, since it came out. I've probably seen Mission Impossible 1 three times in my life since it came out. And uh, uh, MI2 and 3 probably two times each. So uh, not a lot of Mission Impossible watching in my life. Uh, pretty decent fan of this of this franchise, but I'm, I'm more interested to see or hear actually your thoughts. And uh, because... I, th- I think I would have had a different opinion on, on Rogue Nation had I put a little bit more context into my viewing experience because there was a lot of stuff. Okay. I'm sure there were callbacks to the previous films and things and such that I didn't just didn't get. And, and so I, I want to know, first of all, your general thoughts. Let's save the plot spoilers for a little bit later, but sure. general thoughts on the franchise and, and all that. So I really enjoyed this franchise. Uh, well, except for the, the second one is not good. Second one is a – I did not rewatch the second one, which is rare for me because I usually do – if we're going into a franchise movie for the podcast, I usually rewatch all the previous films um, to prepare for it because I am a sadist or something. But, um, 
Mission Impossible 2 is is I think it's probably one of the five worst movies that Cruz has ever done. And and I want to talk about that in a few minutes, just his his oh, yeah. entire uh catalog. Cause I I think we're all Cruz fans. I know Richard and I are uh big, big Cruz fans, and and I can't remember your thoughts. Can't we talked about Cruz for Edge of Tomorrow or Live Die Repeat or whatever yeah. it was called um last year, but I, I don't remember what we what we said on that. So um I think Mission Impossible 2 is a, is a bad film. Mission Impossible is dated for sure. It definitely looks like it was made 20 years ago. But 1996 was was a big year for me with movies just personally like that was a I was 13 that summer and that was that was really I think the first summer where I went with my friends to the movies just just us, no parents, you know. Somebody dropped us off and we did went to a movie together and there were so many movies that came out that summer that we were all interested in and uh so Mission Impossible has like some nostalgia value to me cuz I I did get to see it in theaters with my friends and um I thought it was great at the time. I think that now having rewatched this last week definitely shows some age, but I still think it's for for the time it's a it's a really well done movie and uh and has a couple i mean that the scene with him hanging down from, from the on the rope from the ceiling is is iconic that's been mimicked yep, yep. and copied and mocked a thousand times uh since then and uh and so and the the train sequence too is pretty memorable like i think there's a lot of value in mission impossible that maybe just gets lost in all of the bad tech mumbo jumbo stuff and the the outdated technology and all that sort of stuff um and like i said my two <laughs> yes the mask the mask is always a player in this series you always got to be ready for a mask um mi2 is bad mi3 i think it's overlooked and it is a i think mi3 is the is a perfectly reasonable fun throwaway kind of blockbuster type movie and I thought J.J. Abrams did some really interesting stuff with it. It's a little overstuffed with characters, and they don't all develop very well. But it's fun to see Cruz interact with with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I've always enjoyed that one. I'm Ghost not familiar Protocol. with his work. Is he- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you ever seen Along Came Polly? He's the larger guy in that. Oh, um, yeah, I like him. He's funny. <laughs> Um, doesn't really have any range though like kind of a typecast kind of an actor he was pretty one note uh, unfortunately (laughs) one hit wonder yeah um along came Polly being the hit obviously uh i think ghost protocol is one of the three or four best action movies of the last 10 years i i've i've rewatched that one several times uh since and, and including this week and it is it is exciting. It is exhilarating. It has it moves at such a great pace. Um, Brad Bird did a phenomenal job of kind of resurrecting that franchise and getting it back on its feet in a in a big way. And it's so cruisy, which I just I just love. I love Tom Cruise and I love what he brings to the table in that film. Um, so I, it's such a funny thing because because these movies are so spread out. And because I don't think anyone ever really intended for them to be uh, a franchise the way that we think of franchises now, um, I don't I, I don't know that I've ever really considered their place in the pantheon of of great American blockbuster 
sort of uh, sort of franchises. And sitting in this film, which has some issues, and I'm sure we'll talk about them in a bit, but uh, having watched all of these movies this last week and then sitting in the new one, I, I was really struck by how much I really do enjoy this franchise and how it's much better and I we I should think of it much higher I think than than I have like this 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 has a place with not Star Wars and not for me Lord of the Rings or or I don't know the the uh, Marvel series but but right below that I I think I think it's much better as a whole than we than we give it credit for and it's a much grander experience than great, I think great, I great is. <laughs> I love the Tony Bennett bit. Um, it's really closer to, and we all know I love the Fast series, but I I enjoy this almost as much as the Fast series in some ways. And um, I don't I, that just tone. kind of struck me in this movie, and I hadn't really thought about it before. I guess just because it, it is so spread out, and they they are such different films, they don't really run together all that well they're kind of they're very bondian you know they're they're i think they're supposed to be the american james bond in a lot of ways and yeah and we're gonna um, have an we're gonna have okay. an argument over this later <laughs> we are yes richard and i were talking about it off air so we'll we'll see but anyway um i really like this franchise a lot a lot more than i really even personally thought that i did and uh which is kind of a weird thing to say but i think it does they deserve more credit than they get and i think this one fits in perfectly well with uh with the rest of the series ghost protocol to me is still clearly the high of the series but uh but but rogue nation fits in is slot somewhere around three and one and and much better than two and man i enjoy these films and i i love seeing crews do cruise things and that's kind of what this entire franchise is built around yeah richard sure so i did something weird before i went and saw this movie me i actually watched uh ghost protocol again because the uh the girlfriend had never seen it and i had not seen it since like literally midnight of its opening yeah uh screening did we see it together I can't... uh i think we did okay. i think we did because all right yeah because if i, I saw we it at midnight, imax i think that's where yeah you're right we did you're right, right. That. um we've only hey. seen like five movies together ever so it's we, i know we have a pretty good track record, though. I know, Real I know. Cool. Except for Green Lantern, uh, Kent and I, pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, except for Green Lantern, Kent and I, not so much. Kent and I are. We saw Rush together, though, Kent. That was good. Oh yeah, we did. We did go to a screening of Rush, and now you see yeah. me, which will live in exactly. infamy. So, fifty-fifty. <laughs> so, yeah. And we saw Iron Man three together, Kent. And we saw Avengers two. And, uh, uh, what was the one with Simon Pegg? The World's End. Yes. Yeah. Which was weird because I saved you a seat and you never came to it. You sat it on the just... first row, Richard. That's a no-no. <laughs> well, I sat with the, with the group we came with because I'm a social <laughs> person. Didn't he do that at we'll Iron talk... Man 3, too? I feel like we all went to see I Am 3 together, and I feel like he didn't sit with us. I again. sat with you. No, okay. I don't recall that. <laughs> Kent, Kent, big times. Let the record show. Kent's a big timer. Um, so, yeah. So, I watched uh, Ghost Protocol, and I liked it as much as before i freaking love cruise like i've said before on this podcast <laughs> the best part about cruise is that cruise wants us to like him so bad he will literally kill himself on screen yeah for our enjoyment <laughs> and it's just like it's something so not cynical about that and wonderful that it, it's like everyone 
everyone like rips on Kanye West for like, and this is a weird parallel I'm drawing, but I'm going to go for it. Everyone rips on Kanye West for like the, like the Taylor Swift thing, like six years ago, right? He gets on stage and says, Beyonce should have won this award. You know, I'm going to let you finish in a minute. So two things about that. First off, he was right. That Beyonce video is way better. And secondly, isn't it great that we have an artist in our zeitgeist that things like Grammys and VMAs matter to them? Like, it's such a stupid, arbitrary, superficial award. And, like, a Grammy freaking matters to Kanye West. And, like, these stupid spy movies matter to Tom Cruise. And I love that because we're such a cynical culture. And, like, that's great. Um, So... Tom Cruise is fabulous. Uh, I know he's nuts. And that, yes. honestly, to me, makes him better. <laughs> like, I don't care. Look, um, I made this point yeah. to, to somebody yesterday because I said something about this movie. And they asked how it was. And I said, well, I mean, it's Cruise. It's awesome, you know. And and she kind of gave me was like, eh. Like, you can tell when you say, I love Tom Cruise, you can tell immediately what the other person thinks. Like, yeah. whoever you're talking yeah. to. And and my point is always the same. It's like, okay, tell me, tell me your favorite actor, whoever. I don't care. Just tell me Will Smith. Okay, great. Will Smith is crazy. Like every single person in Hollywood who's not John Krasinski is a crazy person. So like, it's who cares if they are nuts in personal life as long as they're not Bill Cosby stuff. Yeah. And then, let me tell you something. Just, John Krasinski is not going to dangle outside of an airplane for my entertainment. Yeah, Love the guy, yes, but he's yes. not going to do it. And yes. Tom Cruise will, and it's awesome. Yes. And we need him. And quite frankly, I mean, unless there is a Bill Cosby type situation, which is not out of the realm, given his, you know, there's some weird stuff, <laughs> right? Mean. I'm not going to be completely blind, but <laughs> you know, we're going to look back on Cruise in like 30 years and realize that he freaking owned from at least 1981. Until 1985. I mean, I'm sorry, 2015. 1981 yeah. to 2015, he just dominated. And that's going to be insane. It's going to be like Cal Ripken. We're just going yeah. to be like, what? That guy was doing $500 million every time for 35 years? Like, yeah. Yeah. Every Wait, time. The guy who is no in Top what. Gun is also the guy from Mission Impossible 5? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, It's going to be impossible to explain him to our kids, like, at all. So they're going to be like, yeah, no, Mission Impossible 3. That came out, like, what, four or five years after Top Gun? You're like, no, 30 years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that came out. And so it's weird. It's so weird. It's going to be so – his career is – you can't compare it to anyone else's. As nuts as he yeah. is, he freaking kills it. And is he a great actor? I don't know. I don't, I'm too busy looking at him. Like, I, he's running, and it's awesome, and I don't care, right? <laughs> And so he's so hard, man. God, he's, he's running, running so hard. And he's, he's kind he's of really weird... running. He's not pretending. Like, yeah. And so he's great. And I, like, I'm always pumped to watch him. So, but getting back to Mission Impossible, the the Fast and Furious comparison you draw is interesting because like, I feel like Rogue Nation in so many ways reinvigorated that series, much like. Uh, Fast and Furious did for for the Fast and Furious se- um, session, but it also I guess I suppose it's more of a Fast Five, you know? It's, yeah, it's it's great big awesome movie that makes you look at the whole franchise in a new light, and it's different, right. and the cast is kind of different, but the the core players are there, and the kind of uh, motif is there, and, and you're good. And I think this is like kind of a Furious Six or what something or whatever, whatever that one was. Fast yeah. Six yeah. was it? Fast? I never know. Fast Six, um, Seven. It's like you know, it h- hits all the notes of Fast Five, 
it's it's in some ways just as fun, if not more fun and funny. It's uh, but it's not yeah. it's it's not as great as Fast Five, right? Mm-hmm. Fast Five mm-hmm. is still the pin- and I think Rogue Nation is still the pinnacle of that series. Uh, but uh, oh, Ghost Protocol. Pardon me. I'm I'm see it shows how stupid your titles are. I think Ghost <laughs> Protocol is still the pinnacle of that series. Uh, but uh, but this one is 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 great. I loved I loved Fast Six. So and I I love right. this. I think it's a big stupid fun summer movie and and Tom Cruise is in it and that's fabulous. And uh, I'm in. Like I'd, I'd see this. Like if someone wanted to go like tomorrow, like we're gonna go see this again. It's like yeah. It's like if you get on a roller coaster and there's no one in line and they're like, you want to go again? You're like, you fire it up, chief. That's rock. <laughs> right. Man, it's, I'm, I'm, um, I'm definitely way lower on cruise than you guys are. So this will be fun. But man, <laughs> I got to say, he, uh, he's so lucky to have Mission Impossible. Because if it wasn't for this, like, what what is he really doing? Yeah, like, like he goes um, out of he his would make Last Samurai a franchise. Okay, like so. he goes out of his way to, or not out of his way, but he takes a risk and makes something like Edge of Tomorrow, like a super original, you know, right. non franchise science fiction movie that was actually really good and cool and fun, right. yep. and it didn't make, you know, it wasn't a blockbuster, and and so it's like. There's people have so much attachment to Mission Impossible, so I think he has that benefiting him, and uh, you know, honestly, with Tom Cruise, I, I feel same like with Army Hammer and the Man from Uncle. I mean, same type, exact same thing. There's um, there's a comparison to make there with uh with Fast, and I actually had the same thought as I was watching the the thing. Like they're really going for a sort of a fast, um, like like big dumb action. In every way, and as cram as many one-liners into this as we possibly can. Yeah, but man, and an, it's very. You're right. It is, and very they're going for not. You know, the the first few Mission Impossible movies are like the Ethan Hunt show, but they're going way more for the ensemble now, which I really enjoy. Yeah. And man, I love the supporting cast of this like more than mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. I love. <laughs> I freaking love Simon Pegg in this role and in almost everything. But he's such a great accent to Tom Cruise. I I I really actually like Jeremy Renner in this role. Like even though yeah. he's like really over uh pronunciating every word. Uh like <laughs> I think he got word that like he mumbles a lot in movies and so he has yeah. to like scream and yell and overpronounce everything, which is a little bit annoying, but he's fun in this. Uh Ving Rames is a great accent to it as well, uh which you don't see him in a lot of stuff too, but it was you know awesome to bring him back. Yeah, when 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 he was... when you see Ving Rames show up randomly, you're like, "Oh yeah, that guy." The guy rules, uh, man. Ving so literally, is... all he is doing is Mission Impossible movies. <laughs> sure, He's just sitting around it was waiting. Weird when he showed up. I want to know specifically to the set what he got paid for MI4 to just show up at the yeah. end and drink at Dos Equis and leave. Yeah, like two hundred grand, <laughs> three hundred grand, yeah, two hundred grand, and the Dos Equis. Yeah, he... <laughs> because that's one of the best actor jobs of all time. Like, if you had to, like, compare every actor job. Yeah, Every, from yeah. like Grecian plays, ancient Grecian plays to now, and you had to be like, "All right, Ving, it's one day's work. You get three dosekis. We're gonna pay you two hundred fifty k. That might be number one all time." <laughs> it, just when you think like that ensemble is great, they add American freaking treasure Alec Baldwin to the fold. You're yeah. like, man, this is the way they set it up uh, towards the you know end of the film. I'm not gonna spoil it. 
but where where they're going with Baldwin and everybody is going to be really fun, and I I hope hope it, it turns into something special. But I mean, yeah. honestly, Tom Cruise is just kind of the accent to that. I mean, I know he's the I'll do anything. I'm gonna freaking throw myself on a plane. I'm gonna j- go underwater for like eight minutes at a time. I'm gonna <laughs> you know, becoming more David Blaine and less. Like, yeah, That's exactly. And man, the, the 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 links he puts himself through, like the the motorcycle chase, like I'm pretty sure that was him oh, driving yeah. those motorcycles at like 200 miles yeah. an hour. Too. He does his own I think stuff, he was man. Both of them. I I think Mission Impossible One was, you know, really fun fun time. You know, there's a great practical effect with like the scene you mentioned, Brian, with the uh, hanging down and the sweat and all that uh, hitting the sensors of the floor. That was a like you said, iconic. But I think that helicopter scene you mentioned is just the pinnacle of like, we have CGI now. We don't have to do yeah, anything sure. for real, and it just yeah, does not hold up at all. And and I'm I'm glad to see that they've they've steered away from that with with Ghost, Ghost Protocol and this, and more towards practical stuff. Man, this movie was was fine. You know, this is this does not rewrite the the action movie book for me at all. Uh, it's a strong entry into the franchise, but this is not. This is not the the reboot that that would reinvigorate the franchise to to be uh, something like Furious Seven, which made what you know almost two billion dollars at this point. Like, I don't think Mission Impossible Six is going to be like the the pinnacle of action filmmaking. You know what I mean? I I still think they need to sort of find another way to go about this. Like, it's just been such a slow progression. Like with Fast Five, they just said, okay, screw everything we've ever done. Let's do it over, you know, and and uh, I'm waiting for that with this. But I, 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 but I kind of, I think you can make the argument that that's what Ghost Protocol is. Like sure. I think Ghost Protocol started over the whole series as if the the previous three really hadn't hadn't happened. Uh, I mean, Tom Cruise is the only holdover except for the previously mentioned Ving Rhames scene at towards the end. Like I I think that was kind of the the reboot in in a lot of ways. I I guess, but I just don't feel like that. I didn't feel reinvigorated watching that. Does that make sense? I Man, felt like I, I get that, but I, I sure did. I freaking love Ghost Protocol. Yeah, I, I think that too. is a great action movie. Like one of the best Same. action movies that we've that we've gotten in the last, I don't know, whatever, 10 years. I, I trust your opinion on that because I haven't seen it in uh, a few years and you have watched sure. it within the last week. So I'll, I'll sure. that's just no, that's what I think. I, and I if just you don't think... agree that you don't agree, that's totally fine. Like I just but I for me that movie works so so well. And and I think that's the I think that's I, what not only does it work, Kent, to argue does. your point, it, it feels different than the first three to me. It does feel it's different. Got, it feels different. It but... got a much lighter tone than the first three. And yeah. I mean, it's again, draw the comparison. It, it is like when fast four and fast five, you started realizing, oh, wait, are they in on this? Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of where I started to feel with Ghost Protocol, where where they just throw gratuitous scenes of crews like crews dangling from buildings in Dubai. And you're like, wait, are they? Is this kind of a bit now? I mean, I don't know. I just yeah. kind of enjoy that. Oh, yeah, you're right. It is. I'm not saying it's original because I think it is derivative of. I think it is super. Like I think Cruz is very cynical where he's like, you know, I said he wasn't. I think there's something to the fact of. Oh wait, that kind of action is in now. Oh, I can do that. Like I'm not saying yeah. that's an original oh, concept. Yeah. But uh, I do appreciate him doing it. Like I just enjoy watching him do it. I and it. It's a 
weird status thing and he's not aging which is weird and like there's a whole lot there's a lot of factors that are that are uh that make this what it is but i did feel that way i actually felt this one was a little bit more towards the first three than ghost protocol which i thought was a total kind of separation from the original trilogy yeah, a lot of that has to do with Brad Bird, I think. Just totally. what he yeah, did with agreed. that was just totally agree, totally Absolutely. different yeah. and fun and and different. But hey I guys, mean, remember Tomorrowland? Oh God! <laughs> Thank you, Lindelof. No, uh, I just don't. I just felt like watching this. I mean, I, granted, I saw it like eleven o'clock at night, and I was delirious and and tired and all that. But <laughs> I just felt like so much of this was just by the book action filmmaking, and it didn't really push didn't push it over the cliff. And my point, Brian, was when I said mm-hmm. that it needs a reboot, I was like, I think the best is still yet to come with this franchise. Sure. I, th- I, think th- I think somebody's going to come in here and just blow us away with uh, with the next one. And I don't know what that's going to be. You know, we didn't, you know, when we, I guess when we would talk uh, Tokyo Drift, who would have thought that fast would be what it is now? Like, I think we're kind of at we, sure. where we are, yeah, like, like pre-fast, like, Right when Fast Five came out, like who would have mm-hmm. known what it would be at Fast Seven? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I this yeah, this definitely has enough legs and wheels to like be something in in eight or ten years. I think they're going to keep making these, and I I think the best Mission Impossible movie has yet to 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 come out. So I'm I'm excited for that. But a little bit of trivia for you guys: Did you know that uh, Mission Impossible would not exist without uh, Lucille Ball? Actually, no. yeah. Oh. Um, uh, hold on, let me give you my best Keith Morrison. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, as you know, Lucille Ball and her husband, Desi Arnaz, formed Desilu Productions in uh, the 1950s. Uh, of course, they produced The Lucy Show, which was hugely successful in Isle of Lucy, but they also produced two uh, one-hour pilots, one of them called Mission Impossible on CBS, huh. and the other one called Star Trek on NBC. Wow. wow. So had uh, Desi Lu Productions not come to fruition, we would not have Star Trek or Mission Impossible. So that's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> that's impressive, yeah. And uh, yeah. also, um, Tom Cruise... But without had... Happy Madison, we wouldn't have That's My Boy. I mean, <laughs> we wouldn't have uh, Grandma's Boy or whatever it's called. So, I mean, you that know. That is true. Same uh, thing. Same, basically the same. But Tom no, Cruise... Exactly. It is the same. Tom has played Ethan Hunt now for 19 years, and uh, he's getting up there as far as like the actors playing one character uh, for a long period of time. Hugh Jackman has played Wolverine for 15 years. Uh, Johnny Weissmuller played Tarzan for 16. Sigourney Weaver has played Ripley for 18 years. Uh, but Harrison Ford has played Indiana Jones for 27 years. Schwarzenegger's played the Terminator for 31 years. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO for 38 years. Stallone as Rocky for 39 years. And uh, Leonard Nimoy, the king of them all, played Spock for 47 years. Wow. So I think wow. Tom's uh, trying to go 47 years with Ethan Hunt. We'll see if he can do it. Uh, I'm betting against yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, obviously, all these will be surpassed by by James's Paul Bart. But it is interesting to see the list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, just for contextual reasons. Man, I, I, I'm really at a crossroads with Cruz, and I want to talk more specifically about the movie, but I'm at such a cross. I just don't think 
I can view him the same after seeing going clear and all we know that we know now about Tom Cruise. Like I just can't get that out of my mind when I watch him do what he does, because I know that everything like, okay, I'll hang off a plane. If it makes people forget that I'm a crazy whack Scientologist who has, you know, gone basically berserk on every relationship that I've had in my life. And like, just, I, I just, that that's always been in the back of my mind since uh, the, the whole, sure. the Oprah Winfrey couch episode. Like I just had a weird feeling about Tom and I, and not to say he's not a, a talented actor because you know, he had his run late nineties, early two thousands with uh, stuff like Magnolia and uh, specifically more uh, eyes wide shut Kubrick's last movie. What, you know, mm-hmm. what a dark and, and brooding performance that was. And, have you guys and, ever heard the weird, uh, like, I think Chuck Klosterman has a theory that, so, yeah, it's a really interesting theory on that. So, also Vanilla Sky Kent, by the way, which is a sure. really yeah. kind of fun performance, but Klosterman has a theory on Eyes Wide Shut that Kubrick actually hated the idea that Cruz had this kind of arranged Hollywood made, uh, marriage with Nicole Kidman, and he actually made Eyes Wide Shut to break them up, and made it yeah. as arduous of a production sty- uh, cycle uh, because you know it took like three years to film and was not fun for their relationship. Uh, the stuff they had to do, uh, and purposefully to to break them up because he hated the aesthetic of their relationship. Thoughts on that? It's kind of an interesting. Well, conspiracy yeah, well, theory. if that's the case, American Treasure Stanley Kubrick. Uh, <laughs> I mean, was he English? I think he was English. I don't think so. I think he was American. Actually. I don't think he was human. I don't so, either. Yeah, he was in another planet. Yeah. Uh, Stanley, I'm, I'm making sure he was American, New York. Yeah. I know, I know that most of his movies are in the American film Institute top 100. So I figured he was, a an American, uh, filmmaker, but, but yeah, um, man, he has versatility. Tom Cruise does. And, and I just don't know if there's much left for him that people will care about other than mission impossible. That's the, that's the point I was trying to make. And, um, that could be the case. Uh, that that sounds terrible to me. I do not want to. That <laughs> sounds awful. I I don't know. I mean, he's got. Uh, he's doing Top Prime. Gun two. Next, yeah, or and that'll not, be huge, dude. Yeah, it's well, gonna make that's gonna make so much money. Maybe uh, he's got another one next year too. Uh, uh, Brian, your computer's probably more handle handy than mine. He's got a cool. Let me pull it up here. Um, he's doing the Magnificent Seven. He's part of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, with uh, Pratt and some other people. Yeah, that could be that could be major. Jack Reacher, major another deal. one. Mm-hmm. The first Jack Reacher is not very good, but but it's not like so bad where you're like, please don't ever make another one of these. It's just, uh, it's it was it, just a little bland. Richard, it's called it. Minna, with uh, <laughs> that's directed by Doug Lyman. Yeah, and it's Tom Cruise mm, yes. and Dom Hall Gleason, and he's yeah. a, a a pilot for the CIA, and he's like a drug runner. Yeah. So, so this could be, be another edge of tomorrow where it'll be awesome right. and no one will. Stop. Right. To your point though, Kent, I think because he because he has this series because Mission Impossible can probably get you could probably get another four or five movies out of this series, and you're not going to replace him because unlike unlike James Bond, like Ethan Hunt is is Tom Cruise and, yeah. and vice versa. I think and uh, um, so I, I, as as long as he can string these out and and let's let's be honest, like. There's nothing to suggest that at his age he 
he because he's not he's not aging. It's ridiculous. He could continue to he could continue to do these until he's eighty, and we might think, is that guy forty? Like it, it yeah. really. It's <laughs> unless you see him with his shirt off, which then it, it starts to be a little a little weird and uncomfortable. But but otherwise, like he still looks he Maybe looks the you. same as he did in nineteen eighty five, and so I think he can keep doing these, and because he can keep doing those, it lets him do three or four movies or five or eight movies in between that uh, if they're not huge, huge, huge hits, especially here domestically, then it doesn't really matter, you know? And he Because, just, yeah, if it's a Tom Cruise movie, it makes money overseas. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow was a like, huge hit overseas. And so, I mean, and it's I It's kind of think- my argument with uh, World War Z where there's like four or five movie stars like Pitt, Cruise, um, you know, Will Smith to an extent, people like that. Right. They're like, if they're in a movie and it's decent, like not even like yeah. what we would consider decent, but like a six out of ten, it will make a yeah. ton of money overseas. Yeah. And so Edge of Tomorrow um, made two seventy overseas. So wow. that's I mean, that's pretty that's not too shabby, even though it didn't do great here. Oblivion, two hundred million overseas. Man, I let's go. I really wow. in hindsight, I really freaking enjoyed Oblivion. Like I know I said that at the time and in the podcast and go back and listen to it, listener, if you if you saw Oblivion, but that was one of the highlights of late cruise, in my opinion. I I've, I think that I enjoyed the Oblivion. concept for that movie is so good. I just don't I, I don't love the execution. I think it needed a better director. Production design not, production design was Yeah, production was, design was incredible. It was A plus 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 plus. Yeah. Yeah. It I'm was, not sure that is that what's the guy's name? Joe is it Kaczynski? Yeah. The guy who did Tron Legacy. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm not convinced that he is a good director yet. And I think that was I think that movie suffered from it. Yeah, Cruise works great with uh great directors and I want to mention uh the director Yeah uh of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and The I, Cruise Whisperer. The Cruise Whisperer they call him. Because he's do done they? this is like his fifth project with the with Le Cruise. Hold on, I'm Christopher Macquarie. Yeah, Chris Macquarie. I'm I'm trying to go to the actual uh, cast and crew list because I want to talk about some of the cast and crew here. But go ahead, Richard. Thoughts on thoughts on the direction, R- Brian and Richard? Yeah, uh, I was fine with it, Brian. What did you think? I mean, I was uh, I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised because this does come from the brain of Jack Reacher. And right. some other kind of lesser, like, B-team yeah. cruise flicks. And when when you heard that he got this gig, you're kind of like, all right, Cruz hooked him up, likes right. uh, likes right. working with him for whatever reason, blah, blah. But uh, I kind of dug it. I thought he was. I thought he did a, good, a perfectly reasonable job. Is he Brad Bird? No. Um, right. Is Brad Bird, Brad Bird anymore? I don't know. I saw Tomorrowland. <laughs> but sure. um, but uh, it was fine. You know, I think, I mean... Yeah. At, I, I start to think that the director of these movies more and more uh, is probably Tom Cruise. This is an immensely complex movie, like yes, plot wise. That's what I was going to say. That's I, impressive. I think Chris McQuarrie is a great writer. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow is a great script. Then Usual Suspects, excuse me, Usual Suspects is a great script. Jack the Giant um, Slayer, great. <laughs> I think he is capable of writing great movies. I'm not sure yet that he is. He, this is only the third movie that he's directed, and I, I think you can. I think there were times. I'll be honest. Like I noticed things in the movie where I was like, "That's not great," but I don't remember any of them now. So I think that speaks to none of them being all that egregious, you know. But I definitely think 
I think Chris McQuarrie is a guy who is going to be a great director, and it just is not there yet. I think there's a difference between him and and uh, the guy we just mentioned, Kaczynski, with uh, with Oblivion. Where with that, I felt like I don't know that this guy's got a great movie in him, and I think McQuarrie does. Whether that happens with a Mission Impossible or uh, some other cruise project, or if it's you know going off on his own and doing something different, I think he can make a he can be a great director. And I thought you saw signs of that in the, in in this movie at times. Any thoughts on that? I thought he was very, very skilled and very good in, in certain parts of it. There were some rookie moves as well, but mm-hmm. uh, nothing, nothing I would worry about. He does kind of, he does have this weird partnership with Cruz, and it'll be interesting. Have they, I know they've announced MI6? Is Macquarie in, or what's the, what's the? You know who I would like to see for MI6, Brian? Let me see. Yep, not he's Justin not there. attached as of yet. Okay, who I've got. The per, you know I brought you guys Happy Gilmore two last week right? <laughs> Did I not? Yes. Okay, I've got yes. the perfect not screenwriter but director for MI six. Okay. Someone who's worked with Cruz in the past to very strong in my opinion and I think in both of your opinion results. Okay. Mission Impossible six, directed by Michael Mann. Ooh yes 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 maybe yeah that I'd would see be it. great. What's I'd see any movie. I'd see any Mission Impossible. Let me let me be clear uh, here. I'm I would see anything um, in this franchise, but I just don't feel like it's reached. It hasn't like blown me away, and that's. Have y'all been blown away by any of this? Have you been like just draw jaw drop? Like I mean, I was blown away by some of the yeah. Fast Seven stunts. I was just jaw on the ground like holy crap did they just really drive a car through a building into another building in dubai <laughs> like i i just i just think that the the stunts and, and everything it, haven't really gotten there i mean the, the closest is probably the the ghost protocol tom cruise on the leash like running around the burj khalifa what man, that was pretty un- awesome unbelievable yeah unfreaking believable um and man this this movie just tries so hard for that and uh, there's like seven big sequences or something um multiple that I I'm going to name and we should yeah. kind of get into spoilers here uh if we want to talk about those specific sequences but uh first sequence I want to talk about actually yeah so spoilers coming up first sequence I want to talk about is actually the title sequence which was awesome yeah like yeah. I was like oh my god exactly. I forgot about title sequences like that was used to be a thing in movies um it was yeah. sweet and it was too short actually wish it had gone on lo- gone on longer uh so I yeah I just love that the whole this entire ad campaign has been built around the climax of him climbing on top of a flying plane and just taking off and you know that he really did that on some level, like whatever, however they set it up stunt wise. He, he was they, they, how they actually set it up was he was actually doing that, but all there was was like a harness, like like that was attached <laughs> him to the plane, so he couldn't, he literally couldn't Gosh. fly. Like like if he let go, he wouldn't fly yeah. away. All they did was you know, green screened it out or whatever. But yeah, everything yeah. else was real. But what was so funny to me is that the entire ad campaign is built around that moment, and that is the opening scene of the movie. Like, yeah. it had nothing to do with anything else that happened in the rest of the movie, pretty much. Like, you could have done anything else in that. But, dude, Tom Cruise, he's going to get on that plane, and he is going to fly it into the air. I was so more you better, impressed by the fact that he, that he ran 
and jumped on the wing of the plane as it was taking off rather yeah. than he he held yeah. onto the door as it was uh going into into its ascent but yeah Amazing. that was my big question Brian going into this I was like if 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 this movie can be be better than the the scene that they're pushing at us of if they if they have more to offer than that than him holding on to a plane I'll be pretty impressed and I you know they had some really fun sequences in this uh, I will admit but I I do think that was the pinnacle action scene and so a little bit anticlimactic to go from that and to to see what we see uh we got sure. a really fun uh fight sequence in an opera house that I liked yeah that was awesome mm-hmm. uh, we actually like he actually receives his message of a mission by going to a record store and like playing a record on a hologram, which is really kind of fun and cool, like cool way to do that. And, and, uh, and so, you know, of course you guys know that I liked that. Uh, there was a scene, a big sequence with water in which he jumps and goes underwater and has to survive basically underwater for, you know, every scene is basically set up like, there's a countdown and like, will he do it in time? Will he get right. out? Will he right. survive with his air? Like, can he get his handcuffs undone in time? And like, all you know, and that's fine. Uh, there, there was just seven. It was just action scene after action scene, after action scene. And I'm not complaining about that, but that's just, it's just become so textbook uh, now. And that's, there was a lot of like really uh, intense action in, uh, in between some really, really complicated plot lining and storytelling. Yeah, and sure. uh, it was a little hard. It was over complex with the, That's the kind plot. Of the, isn't that kind of the thing, though? I mean, those Mission Impossible, the, the 90s Mission Impossible movies are stupidly complex for no reason. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like that's kind of the, a, a thing they do, right? That's their move. Sure. They I think that's what keeps this one from being as good as Ghost Protocol because I think Ghost Protocol had the most slim down, yeah. streamlined uh, plot line. I think. Yeah, uh, but you can eat, it has its moments like where uh, in Ghost Protocol, where like uh, Paula Patton is doing the they're in the they're in the hotel in Dubai and she's talking mm-hmm. to the guy and they're paying her in diamond, but really. Sure. Cruz and Drenner are talking to the other girl, and it's the same transaction. But like, that's pretty convoluted for a Hollywood blockbuster. Who's who? Who is who right now? I don't know. I'm confused. Sure. Um, that's kind of their their bit to an extent. But uh, but you're right. This one this one maybe played in that a little, maybe a little too much. But I I you know I liked it. Yeah, the, don't the, fight Cruz again. There's always a twist <laughs> here. It's all it's all you expect. Like you said, uh, you're just waiting uh, towards the the last 30 minutes of this movie. Like, who's going to take off a mask and be uh, Ethan Hunt? And yeah. you're waiting for that. And that was a really fun reveal. Yeah, uh, I don't know about it. Was y'all. weird when one of them ripped their mask off and it was the cup from Spectacular. <laughs> that was now, weird. But... That was a little little uh, off putting and kind of shocking. But we've come to expect that in, yeah. in Hollywood. But I mean, just Simon Pegg looks terrible. Oh no, it's the cup. My bad. <laughs> oh, my really fun. Cup. Really fun, execu- really well executed on Macquarie's part <laughs> with the twist. Uh, you know, yeah. it, was, it was always built yeah. up that way in 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 fun. And, mm. But there was yeah. a little epilogue fight, knife fight kind of thing after that. It kind of was like, eh, I don't care about this anymore. Like it reached the pinnacle in that scene. I thought that was like, kind of cool. I'll be like, honest. Like, like, but as as Cruz is like walking out like a badass, you know, and all that stuff. Like that's where the yeah. movie should have ended, in my opinion. Like 
like uh, Ethan Hunt owns all, screw everybody, and uh, roll credits. You know, um, that's that's what it should have been. But okay, so uh, here's a good seg- you segued well into my thoughts. So we're gonna rank them. Okay, it's a three person fight. I don't know if it's necessarily an octagon, but we'll just put them in. Let's say, is Slovenia still a country? <laughs> let's say Slovenia is still a country. Okay. We put Ethan Hunt, James Bond, and Jason Bourne in Slovenia. We we put a gate around it. Who who wins and in what order? Okay. These are kind of important conversations that need to happen. But right, and you yeah. have to back up your case. So I think ja- I mean James Bond dies immediately. Like he he can't I don't think he can hold it with these two guys, honestly. But I like I don't want to make your argument for you, Richard. So what tell me can you can you tell the listener what you told me as far as Jason Bourne versus Ethan Hunt? As far as Jason his Bourne yeah. wins because Ethan Hunt is awesome at the end of the day needs like gadgets as does Bond, and yeah. Jason Bourne just like murders people with a rolled up magazine like, <laughs> and just has doesn't care. Yeah, and so I think Bourne wins. I this is an argument my friend John Mark actually yeah. big shout big shout John Mark and I have had hours and hours since we were probably eh, 16 years old about who would win and I, i'd be interested you know what i'm gonna open this up to the emailers and the tweeters who wins in, a, in this three-way battle royale hunt I, bond born my money's on born but i you know look i'm not saying there's no gadgets in this fight i'm just saying like you, you come <laughs> with what you come with and yeah. you know whatever but I think Bourne has the most natural set of skills. I might also be willing to throw in Liam Neeson's character from Taken as a fourth, Ooh, but I know that's then it becomes like a tag team sort of thing. That, that yeah, gets, exactly. That but every man for himself. Yeah. Kent, do you have thoughts on this? It's Bond. And, and like, end of discussion. Something? Bond is because Bond. because Bond is Bond. I don't know, but man. He has, he he has, MI, he has MI6 uh, behind yeah, him. Yeah, but but that's the thing. There's yeah, no and, support but staff. Stephen Hunt just and the four, James Bond. Three of them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kent. Since when did UK <laughs> the UK become more of a world power than freaking America? <laughs> Ethan which supports both Ethan Hunt and Jason Bourne. Yeah. I think Bond gets killed within two and a half seconds. Like he's, yeah, he's you ever driven a Jaguar? They, they don't even start half the time. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing from an engineering perspective. Yeah. Lane Price couldn't even kill himself effectively in one of those. <laughs> um No, I, I I agree with your argument, Richard, but I'm just going to make one counterpoint, and then the listener can can let us know what they think. Um, you know when you're watching a basketball game, and let's say let's say there's a loose ball, and uh, and the two guys are are kind of trying to get it, and like one of them is I don't know. Let's say let's say one of them is Steph Curry, the best basketball player, the second best basketball player in in the world, and the other player is Matthew Dellavedova, who's the worst, and but Matthew Dellavedova comes out with the ball, and the announcer says he just wants it more. I think that's Ethan Hunt, right? Like Tom Cruise just wants it more, so I think maybe he kills Jason Bourne just by sheer will. Okay, that's a fair argument, and the best argument I've heard so far. Now, Kent, to support your case, if this is we wall off Slovenia, and which of these three <laughs> gets laid by the most hot Eastern European <laughs> chicks, it's definitely James Bond. No questions asked. I, James Bond wins that battle, hands down. Because Ethan Hunt is, I think, asexual. It's weird that he just kind of watches his wife, as we <laughs> learn in Ghost Protocol. 
like doesn't make contact with her, just kind of watches her shop with some like questionably gay black dude. Like that's weird. And then Born is all hung up on the German chick, and yeah, Bond just, is just slamming Slovenian yeah. chicks one after the other after the, I get it. He wins that battle. But into the death, I'm thinking Born. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I think I also, think it I think it comes down to Born or Hunt. It would be really interesting to see the movie version of this because yeah, if it was trilogy. a Mission Impossible. Yeah, if it was a Mission Impossible version, um, we would see Ethan Hunt die. And then, uh, and then Jason Bourne would rip his mask off, and actually, that's now here's Ethan a Hunt. here's a question yeah. for you. <laughs> here's here's a big here's a stinger though. Okay, yeah. I like it. Bourne I... versus Bond versus Hunt versus mm-hmm. MacGruber versus Predator. Oh, oh, well, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not even close. I'm sorry. Do do those three you just mentioned have throats? Then, <laughs> yeah. then there's your answer. Capable of ripping. Uh, yeah. 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 Man, I gobble, gobble, gobble. We should we should hit grades uh, because I want to I want to I want to hear because we're how... talking about completely dumb topics now. We're getting delirious. Uh, we are. Yeah. I am very delirious actually. Uh, we're go ahead. Um, go ahead and give your grade, Brian. I'm interested to hear uh, where we're going to rate this. You know, I came in thinking A minus, but now you're you're talking crap about Cruz, and I'm getting all pumped up, and I, I want to <laughs> defend him, so I, I almost want to go want to go higher. I think there's definitely some plot issues. Uh, just first, not first, young young director or 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 inexperienced director, I guess issues. Um, I think it's definitely a step down from Ghost Protocol, but I think Ghost Protocol is a is an A to low A plus kind of movie. I love that movie, so I'm I'll, I'll stick with my what I came in with. I'll go with an, a strong A minus. Richard. <sighs> this is tough. I'm torn between two grades here. You know what? I'm going to side with Brian. I'm going to go A minus as well. Kent. I'll give it a B plus minus. So it's right in between <laughs> a B and a B plus. Is that patented? I will. Yeah, I will really. I will watch this again. I'll watch it on TV if, it, if I ever see it on again. I, I enjoyed myself, but I wasn't. Yeah. It's not going to be in the top ten for me. I don't think this year. And it just Speaking wasn't of TV. Go ahead. Again, it, it, it just you. wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a highlight of my year movie wise so far. It was fun. I enjoyed myself. That's really. That's really it. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Richard. Sorry. Speaking of TV, because you and I talked about this when we first saw it, it's why is Now You See Me not on TNT yet? I think it's actually <laughs> been on FX for like a couple of years. I think it. I'm sorry, I, I don't. I don't get FX. I don't believe in Fox. I'm very, very, very liberal. Oh, gotcha. There, there, that that explains why you watch seen Fox it. properties. Yeah, it was. It made a run on HBO a while back. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. Draft Day and Now You See I Me were on there at the same time. So. But I want to throw like I want to throw TNT on like on a Sunday, and I want. I feel like now you see me is the rare movie that would be made better by commercials. <laughs> like I feel like commercials breaking it up every eleven minutes makes that movie better, don't you think, Kent? Give you give you like three or four minutes to consider the plot implications of what just happened. <laughs> Can't make it worse. And gives gives me like four minutes to just rant at my girlfriend about stuff that's going on on the screen <laughs> without having to pause. Which, let's face it, is the main point of all movies. (laughs) Okay, guys. Well, that was fun. Uh, Fun experience uh, watching the film. I did see this in, like, the IMAX type thing. This was a fun uh, viewing experience. I will say it's well shot, and the presentation was all A+. 
for me, but the movie just wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't what I wanted it to be. And uh, so, yeah, I agree, Brian. Ghost Protocol is still the the pinnacle of this franchise. And yeah, I definitely. still think the best is yet to come. I really, really do. And yeah. uh, and I think and we I'm can excited. all agree the best Cruise movie is Night and Day. So that's <laughs> couldn't quite get to that level. Uh, cocktail, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> what? Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Let's, uh, let's move on and let's hit a recommend. Go ahead, Brian. I watched a movie today that I, I quite liked when it was in theaters back in, I believe, 2004. I'm going to pull that up to make sure. 2005. Uh, I watched it today. I have a Blu-ray copy, and it is a super extended edition, and I didn't realize that I had not seen the extended edition before. And most of the time, the extended edition is not your the best cut, I think. Um, but this one for for was the rare exception where I felt like the extra whatever 30 or 40 minutes actually added something to it. So um, this is... I don't know what the Rotten Tomato score is on this. I'm curious now. I'm wondering how well it was received. Uh, but this was back when a, a certain director who has not had a good run lately was, I think, still very, very good. Uh, it's called Kingdom of Heaven. Ridley Scott yep. about the Crusades. Not well received on Rotten Tomatoes, I see. 39%. So, okay. This is probably good a low movie. rating. Really good movie. But I know. I know. Good good call, Brian. Um, no, it is. No, I'm I enjoy not it in the theaters, and I, I enjoy it more in the extended cut. There may, I don't really yes. remember what was cut out for the theater. You know, so maybe it made more sense on, on Blu-ray. Orlando Bloom's not the best, but I think it's a it's, it's a surprisingly good performance by him yeah, he's in a that role part. that – he probably is not quite suited for because there was such a weird run where we just kept sticking Orlando Bloom in movies and it, it was like, well, he can, he's not good at this. Like he's just, this he's just, the guy from, yeah, he's, yeah, he's just the, the guy. From, go free. Exactly. But anyway, I thought it's a, it's, it's a very compelling movie. I think it's got a lot of great, if nothing else it has a, it has a great cast, a lot of great actors that you'll recognize from other stuff. Um, that have gone on to do great stuff in the last 10 years. And, uh, man, I really enjoy the film. So maybe maybe I'm just dead wrong or maybe Rotten Tomatoes uh, can suck it. But uh, check out check it out. And if you're going to if you're going to do it, get the get the extended cut on Blu-ray and and, and watch that version, because I think it does it does make some of the plot make a little bit more sense. It's not as choppy as I think it probably was in theaters. We mentioned Edge of Tomorrow and a fun little sci fi action movie i'm gonna recommend one it's sort of in the same vein came out in the 90s kind of a cult classic 
and has made its way on the Netflix. And it's one that I rewatch kind of every time it's on and every time I see it, uh, I have to have to put it on. Uh, I don't know if you guys, I don't think we've ever talked about it on the show before, but I'm going to recommend uh, just added to instant streaming Starship Troopers. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven, Starship Troopers. Right actually, twisted. actually holds up really, really well. Uh, special effects wise. Uh, acting is not great. Like, um, Denise Richards is like the best actor in, you know, uh, I, Neil Patrick Harris is like a savant in the movie, like an alien savant. So that's kind of yeah. weird and not, it's not weird now, but Patrick like at the time it was win like seven Oscars though. Right. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, well, Jake Busey, uh, kind of did too as well. But... You mean Jake Busey of, um, oh no. Contact fame. For... No, I had a better one. Darn it. Well, this is awkward say, now. It's awkward. He had a show on the UPN for a while. Oh, okay. Ready? You say Jake Busey's name again. Jake Busey. You mean Jake Busey of Shasta McNasta fame? <laughs> yes, that's Jake Busey. Okay. Yeah, cool. Awesome. <laughs> but uh, Starship Troopers, it's a fun little sci-fi action movie. They're, I've heard for years now that they're trying to reboot it, and you know, we'll see if that ever happens. Uh, sequels are all horrible, so don't bother with those. The yeah. first one's really fun and uh, you know, fun little standalone. Really movie. campy. Really campy fun sci fi. So yeah. I remember I hated it. Kind of satire. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I hated it when it came out because I was a big uh nerd and uh a big uh Heinland fan. I read a lot of his stuff when I was a I don't know, preteen and early teenager. And yeah, I love science, it's my favorites. <laughs> I don't talk to girls, um, but we're actually and, the bad guys. That's the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that movie is very dissimilar from the book. And I, that very that upset me at whatever age I was at that point. But uh, I revisited a few years ago and was like, OK, this is a lot more ridiculous fun than I than I remembered it as that scene where they the bugs swarm. The fort is still like really, really fun yeah. and uh, and well done. So, yeah. Stars with Troopers. Richard. Okay, so I'm going to do kind of a weird one here. So there's a movie out uh, right now called uh, The End of the Tour, which is a, a with friend of the podcast, Jesse Eisenberg and Jason Siegel, that uh, uh, covers about kind of a conversation within the life of, of an author named David Foster Wallace. David Foster Wallace is one of my, because I am, you know, a white male in his late 20s, one of my favorite authors. And uh, I love David Foster Wallace, and he he makes me think and weep and laugh and all these good things. But he had a speech that he gave before he died. Uh, at it was about three years before he he passed, and it's at uh, it's a commencement speech at Kenyon College, um, and it's called "This Is Water." And I, I would really recommend this to you guys because you can ingest it in about fifteen minutes. And uh, there's like even an edited animated version that's like nine minutes long on YouTube. You can read it or watch it or whatever. It's just a really great speech on how to live your life um, and how to keep perspective and context on your life. I recommend any loser. It's not religious and it's not spiritual and it's not any anything like that. It doesn't matter from what angle you come at at this life uh, from. It will um, inform you and hopefully provide you. I, I, I keep a, I honestly, honestly, God, keep a copy of this. And I'm not, I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a real jerk. Like, I make fun of people for stuff like this, but I actually keep a copy of this in my nightstand, printed out at all times because I read it sometimes when I can't sleep because it makes me feel better about the world. And uh, it's called This Is Water. And it's uh, all kind of based around this joke uh, where I'll tell you guys a joke right now. It's, it's, uh, 
the two fish are swimming uh, in the ocean and they pass a kind of an older, wiser fish as he swims by them. And they and uh, the the older fish says, good morning, boys. How's the water? And one of the other fish says, what the hell is water? Um, and so it kind of goes on um, uh, from there. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So it's but I uh, I advise it to you both because I think you will just watch the YouTube of it. You could watch the quick like animated version. It's it's nine minutes long and will kind of blow your brain and it is uh, it teaches you how to think. I think better than anything ever on on how to be an adult. So I, I recommend this and then go see end of the tour. I'm going to see it this weekend uh, because uh, David David Foster Wallace was was great and he, and he's missed he missed every day in in this household. And uh, that's it. That's my so this is water by David Foster Wallace. Uh, it's uh, it's good stuff. Excited to hear your mini review of of the end of the tour next week, Richard. Next week we are talking officially on the podcast though about Fantastic Four, which is sure to be a doozy because <laughs> they did a press junket last week for Fantastic Four, and none of the cast had seen the movie yet. So that's always a good sign when you're going to promote a movie you haven't even seen that you start in. Yeah. Uh, so that's it's just getting destroyed yeah. by the people who have seen it so sure to be a fun fun discussion next you know week. we we try to go into most movies with open mind and try not to go i in have an open thinking, mind i do have an open yeah mind. look look it, it could surprise us i know yeah. if we get a lot of of uh we get a lot of emails and tweets and stuff like that from people whenever we do an episode where we just kind of destroy a movie. All right. All right. Well, I'm losing I'm losing my co-host here, so I'm going to end it there. Join us next week for our discussion of Fantastic Four. And until then, uh, we'll see you at the cinema. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs>